Anybody need the blood applied to them right now? Just raise your hand. I think we all should raise our hand on that one. <laughs> Lord, we always need you, Lord. We'll never not need you. We'll never not need you. Thank you, Jesus, that we need you. Hallelujah. Thank you for the blood. Hallelujah. Thank you for the blood. Well, you know, I think the gospel message is a tremendous uh, message for Christians, uh, not just for lost pe people. And um, this is one thing I'm finding out. The kids may go. I'm finding they need to go right now, <laughs> according to Tony. <laughs> um, so children, bless you. Be children's teachers and stuff. Go back there and have a great time. It's great that the children can really uh, come up here and just dance around, isn't it? Y'all enjoy that? Yeah, that's the Lord, isn't it? <clears throat> um, one of the things that I am discovering um, as I really feel like God's really bringing me into some, some new uh, understanding about, about the Word of His grace is uh, the people who have the most difficulty with the message are people who've been a Christian a long time. Um, yeah, because we need, there's stuff that we've learned that we need to sort of unlearn. Not that it, we learn wrong stuff, it's just, it's in the wrong order. And the people who I find who can really receive the message very, that seem to have just really almost instant insight to it are people who haven't been Christians long. Uh, they really seem to grasp it almost immediately. Like, yeah, I mean, I was talking to somebody this morning, and he was just not, hadn't been a Christian a real long time, and he just, I was talking to him about the Christian life, and he was just talking about how just wore out he was from Christianity. <laughs> he was just tired. Christianity had wore this man out, and he hadn't been a Christian probably less than two years, and, and the Lord, and he was really wanting to know about the, the message of grace. Now, I think that's what throws people off is when you say grace, we think about Ephesians uh, 2, 8, and 9, where it talks about being saved by grace. And, but that's the, that's the gospel of grace for the person who needs to be saved. Um, but there's more to it than just my salvation. There's the, out, the uh, gospel of grace for the born-again person, uh, especially for born-again people who've been Christians for a long time and got stuck into a, a system of uh, Christianity which is not real biblical. And, you know, <clears throat> or let me, I don't want to say it's not biblical. I just want to say, uh, simply put, I think we have the cart before the horse. I think we have things backwards, and God wants to put things in order. I think, a lot, you know, a lot of stuff that's taught in the church is exactly right. It's the truth. I'm not denying the truth, but uh, I'm denying the fact that I can't do what I've been teaching for most of my and been what I've heard taught. I can't do it, and I don't think the Bible teaches that I have to do it. Uh, I think the Bible teaches that Jesus wants to live his life in me and through me, and that's the gospel. And when you can, and that sounds so simplistic, and oh, duh, everybody knows that, but duh, most of Christianity is not living that style of Christianity. Most of Christianity is based on us, what we can do. You hear what I'm saying to you? It's, it's our efforts, and uh, I bet you the person who wrote those hymns had a revelation that we don't have, and I sort of like that retro worship. Yeah, I mean, that's some excellent stuff, and um, so that's sort of a commercial. But, you know, what Angela said was really true. It's not based on feelings because feelings are very deceptive. 
Um, I had a tremendous week Monday and Tuesday, and then I had a tremendously terrible week the rest of the week. You know what I'm saying? So the gospel that I'm preaching does not guarantee your circumstances are going to be good and you're going to feel good every day. It means you're going to have some struggles. But the great thing about it is this. This is the great thing about this. is Jesus Christ wants to live his life through me. And, and when there's difficulties that come, he wants to deal with those difficulties for me. Isn't that good news? That's really the truth. Um, I'm gonna, if you want to turn your Bibles to Romans 8, I'm going to just go ahead and go, or I'll just keep going talking about rambling on here. And I'm just excited about what the Lord's doing. Larry said very good this morning that the Lord wanted to visit us. And I think the Lord is visiting me. I'll tell you, tell you the truth. Um, remember, I want to just review what I talked about last week. Last week I talked about grace and sin, if you all remember. And I gave several points. Uh, the first thing I said uh, was in Titus 2, 11 and 12. Don't turn it. I'm just going to go through this real quick. It says, uh, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. In other words, we're not talking about a license we're talking about living a Christian life. And grace is what teaches us and enables us to live that life. So, and, and what grace does, it puts the desire in you. It puts the, the powers in you to live it. You're living from the inside. You're not living from the outside. That's the law. The law demands that you live righteous. The grace gives you the desire to and gives you the power to. That's the big difference there. And I tried to start addressing this for Christians. Why do I still... to still desire to sin, why do I still desire to sin as a Christian? And why, as a Christian, why, you know, in some Christians' experience, why can't I overcome certain sin in my life? So I started answering it, and I gave some points. Uh, the first one I gave was point one was what we believe about who we are has a great impact on how we act. And, and in Romans 6, I talked about that we really truly, our old nature has been crucified with Christ. We don't have two natures in us battling for position. In other words, there's not a new man and an old man resident in me. There's just a new man. And my old man's been, di he's dead. He died with Jesus on the cross. The moment I was saved, he was placed in Christ. So I don't have that old nature. I'm not a sinner saved by grace. Okay? I, that is not what I am. I am a sinner. I'm a person who was a sinner who got saved by grace. There's a big difference. You see what I'm saying? That's important for us to see that difference. I mean, that's really crucial. The next one is that, you know, I brought out the point number two was about Revelation, Romans 6, 6, knowing this. And we will never practically overcome sin in our lives until we have revelation about where our old man is and who we are in Christ. And that's just a fact of life. If, you, if God doesn't really reveal this to you, you you're not going to overcome your sins. I mean, that is, that's just the truth. You've got to know this. Uh, and then the third thing was, was from Romans 6, 11, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, you've got to reckon means it's a simple faith, simple accepting of the fact that I am dead. I'm dead. It's just accepting what the Word of God says. And then number four, I gave you, uh, understand sin was not crucified with Christ. Sin is, sin is still alive and well and pumping along and humming along. It wasn't, and I used to think for years, why am I still wanting to sin? I thought sin was crucified. Well, sin was not crucified. 
my old man was crucified. Uh, and I, I want to talk to you about that. You know, this, uh, sin is a principle, and our members is not re- removed. That's the Bible. Sin is very much alive and well. The pleasures of sin do not disappear after we are saved. Okay? Uh, number five, understand your human body and mind was not crucified with Christ. Flat, you know, remember that? I slapping my arm around. My body's still very much alive. My mind is still very much energized. So that was the first five points. And then I sort of hit on presenting yourself to God. But I want to go back and just take presenting yourself to God, okay, because that's Romans 6, 13. It says, Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God, members being your body, your mind, presenting them to God and walking after the Spirit. That's the two things I want to talk to you about today because I believe, this is practically what I believe. I believe that this is how we practically present ourselves to God and practically present our our, our members is by walking after the Spirit, okay? Follow, in other words, following the Spirit. Um, Grace, come here, since your name is Grace. This is simply what following the Spirit is, all right? I want you to just follow me, okay? See what she's doing? She's following me. Where I'm going, she's going. Now, that's just really simple, but that's what it means to follow or to walk after the Spirit of God we're going where he's going. You can sit down now. You see what I'm saying? So that's what we're going to talk about this morning, what the Bible teaches about walking after the Spirit. Are you with me? Because that of, of, you know, that's the thing ultimately that's going to do it for you when it comes to sin. Okay? That's the thing that's going to give you the power to overcome sin. Is walking after the Spirit of God. Because don't expect that you're going to be able to, to do it otherwise. It's not going to happen, trust me. I've been a Christian a long, long time. Okay. Um, it's a historic fact that our old man was crucified with Christ. According to Ephesians 1.3, it's a present reality. Okay? It's a present reality. This is Ephesians 1.3, that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That is a true present reality. The problem is what the Bible says as being a reality may not be my experience. Okay? My experience may be completely opposite. And that's what we have to reconcile is if I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ, why is my life thus? Why do I still have issues with sin? That's not, that's not a blessing. Okay? Um, if you're not following the Spirit... The blessings that Christ has for you are still there, but you're not connected to those blessings. You see what I'm saying? They're there. They are, are, they're like an escrow. Y'all know what escrow means? An escrow account. Escrow account is when somebody has some money of yours that you can't touch unless there are certain conditions made for this money to become available. Right, Dean? Dean explained that to me this week. Because I thought that was that was what I was looking for. So let's read. Is everybody with me? Well, let's read Romans eight one through four. This is what I want to talk to you about. Romans eight one through four. There's there there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in. Everybody say in Christ Jesus. I'm gonna tell you when you start reading the Bible, look for that those little words in Christ Jesus. Those are really three important words, and you will find them everywhere in the Bible. 
everywhere. They just start jumping out at you. Uh, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. A couple of versions don't have that. Actually, those versions are right. Those words are actually not even in the Bible for some reason. This Bible, this New King James put them in there for clarity. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Okay, are, we, are you with me? All right, now, here's what I want to do. I want to explain, first of all, to you about walking after or following after the flesh. I want to tell you some things about it. And this is really heavy. This is real practical, okay? This is, again, this is the Romans for dummy version that I'm trying to explain to you. All right, first I want to explain to you something about walking after the flesh. So you can tell, and the reason I'm telling this, so you can understand when you're in the flesh. Because there's many times we get in the flesh and we don't know we're in the flesh unless... But the Bible tells us it gives us some understanding so we can know when we're following the desires of the flesh because the desires of the flesh are not necessarily evil things. Remember the tree of knowledge of, of... It's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. See, there's lots of people who are doing good things, but they're still fleshly things. You got that? And so it's important to know as a Christian, we could be doing something that's not apparently sinful that does not have sin, you know, sin associated with it, but yet we will be in the flesh. And what I'm telling you is we don't need to be in the flesh as Christians. We don't want to do that because we will sin if we get in the flesh. Amen? So turn over to uh, first scripture I'm going to give you. is I'm just going to take you and show you some other places. Uh, James 4.1. I read that to you last week. But just turn over there and let's read James 4.1. Um, man, this helped me when I began to see this, Okay. It really helped me. Are y'all with me? Don't get sad on me. <laughs> I'm excited. This is great. This is a great message I got here. If I can just let the Lord say it. All right, James 4.1, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Okay? Do they not come from, from your desires for pleasures that war in your members. All right, now that's what he's talking about there. So if you have strife and if you have conflict within you, within you, that's a sure sign that you're in the flesh. And now let me just say this. If you're anxious about something this morning, if you've got anxiety in your heart this morning, you're in the flesh. This is the truth. That's a short, that's the way, that's the, that's the key that God tells us. If there's some kind of thing working in you where there's this conflict in you, then you're not in the Spirit. You're not following the Spirit. You're following the flesh. Good or bad. It could be anxious about a good thing, about your rent, about your circumstances in life. See, strife and conflict, anxiety, that's the nature of the world that we live in. Is that not right? Isn't our world full of conflict and full of strife? Full of anxiety, full of worry, full of concern about tomorrow. All these things that, you know, the Bible tells us. But it's not the nature of the kingdom of God. Okay? So when we feel those things within us, then we are not operating from the kingdom. We're operating from the, from the natural realm. And honestly, this is one of the reasons we got saved, wasn't it? It's because there was a turmoil inside of us that we were trying to get away from. We were looking for some peace 
in our hearts. We were looking for some joy in our life. We were looking for some happiness because inside we felt terrible. We felt this conflict in us. Right? So we got saved to get away from that stuff. We thought we did. We, that was the way it's supposed to be. But yet we've, we've not gotten away from it. I don't believe. We, I believe church is full of people who are full of this strife, full of this conflict. And it's because we're following the flesh, the dictates of the flesh. Here's another sign of a Christian who walks after the flesh. And there's, there's, oh, this is great, that your spiritual life is always up and down, up and down. There's an inconsistency in it. Is that true of anybody's experience that you've experienced this up and down in your Christian life? One day, you're on, you're on cloud nine. The next day, you're flat here on the bottom, scraping the bottom. You understand what I'm saying to you? That's a sign. If, you're, if you look at your Christian life and say, that's the way my Christian life seems to be, Lord, then you're not following the Spirit. You're following the flesh. Okay? This inconsistency. In, in other words, you feel good when you're doing the things that you believe you're supposed to do. That gives you a certain amount of joy and peace in your life. But when you don't do those things, you feel bad about your Christian life. You come to church and you really worship the Lord. Oh, I'm, everything's good. I'm worshiping the Lord. I'm, I'm praising the Lord. I'm, I'm praying. I'm doing the things I'm supposed to do. I feel good. But tomorrow you get up and you're in a bad mood. You feel bad about what you're doing. You see what I'm saying? Those are two really good common signs that we're following the flesh. Is everybody with me? Let's go on. It's a number, not number anything, but now let's talk about walking after the, or following the Spirit. Turn over to Ephesians. Okay? Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. And believe me, all this is I'm going to come back to Romans 8 and, and try to really explain. I'm just sort of, really I'm trying to get you to how I got to understand this stuff. Okay? And I'm telling you, this really helps me. It really helps me practically when I start dealing with a situation I feel this thing rise up in me that's full of anxiety and, and you know, and this energy in me that's not a good energy. It's my flesh. And I realize, right, and wait a minute, I'm moving away from the Spirit of God. I'm moving into my own natural strength. And this is not going to get me anywhere. This is death, the Bible says. And what I had to do right then, I had to stop. Lord, I'm in the flesh. Forgive me. I'm putting this flesh down. I want to, I want to get back into the Spirit. Bring me back into the Spirit. That's, that's really all you've got to do. Let me tell you, this, this thing called the divine exchange works. It really works. Because, see, the Lord wants to live His life through you. And all you have to do is give him the opportunity. All you've got to do is tell him the truth. I'm mad. I am so mad. I could kill that person, Lord. Lord, listen to my man, what I just said. Lord, that's wrong. I repent. Lord Jesus, give me your heart towards that person. Give me your mind towards that person. And if you'll do that, he will immediately begin to release his mind. He will immediately begin to release his emotions through you. He really will. It really works. That's the crazy thing about what I'm telling you. This works. This is not just some theory. I'm living it out. Like I said, I had two good days and the rest of the week went in the pot. Well, it went in the pot for a reason. Because God wants to show me how to live this life. Amen? And it, what I'm telling you is the truth. All right, go, Ephesians 5. Let's read verse 8. And now we're talking about walking in the Spirit or following the Spirit. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And that have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. All right, here's the first thing. We know in the Bible it talks about the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. Okay? 
fruit of the Spirit, works of the flesh. In other words, first thing we ought to get in our mind when we're talking about following the Spirit, there, there's this word that Paul always seems to associate with walking, walking in the light, walking in the Spirit. It's fruit. In other words, fruit is something that is what? It's something that's produced by, by the tree, right? But the flesh, when he talks about the flesh, he's talking about, when, you, when he says walking in the flesh, he's talking about these works, these deeds, and he's calling them unfruitful deeds. In other words, there's no fruit born from these deeds. In other words, here's what following the Spirit is. It's following after the fruit that God produces. It's, what, it's following after what God does. Remember John 15, if you abide in me and I'll abide in you, then you'll bear fruit. And it's, it's really this simple little truth that I'm telling you is profound. It is us resting in the Spirit and allowing the Spirit of God to produce the life in us that He wants to produce. And when He begins to produce it, we respond to what He's producing. When, in other words, if He's producing peace, that's what we respond to. We start exhibiting peace. You hear what I'm saying to you? That really is following after the Spirit. It's, it's trusting the Holy Spirit to follow. It's really an issue of control. It's an issue of control. Who's in control? We sung the song, you're in control. Well, I bet you, if you were real honest this morning, is... Is he really in control of your life? Now let's just get down, you know, let's get down to the basic thing about walking in the Spirit. Either you're being controlled by your fleshly tendencies or you are being controlled by the Spirit of God. And if you are being controlled by, the, by your flesh, it's going to produce death in you. But if you are allowing the Spirit of God, if you're allowing the Holy Spirit in you, if you're allowing Christ in you to have control, then he's going to express his life through you and you are going to find something that's wonderful. Because, see, we've always been preaching about, man, count the cost. We've been told how miserable it is and how rough it is and how you had to crucify your flesh and all this stuff that's all not really the truth. Because this is what happens when we start following Him, the very things that we desire as a human being, the thing we're looking for, the reason we got saved, that peace and that joy and that happiness, all of a sudden starts flooding you. And you can be in a, mere, a miserable situation and have a revival on the inside of you. Now, that's the truth of the gospel. It doesn't mean your circumstances are necessarily going to change. But it means that you as a person, if you will submit to the lordship of Christ in you and allow Him to make the decisions in your life, then the thing that you want, the thing that you desire, the joy, the peace, the happiness... The, the godly presence in your life that every Christian wants, that every man and woman on this earth really wants, will be released into your emotions and you'll feel it. You'll feel God in you. You'll feel fulfilled. You won't have to do stuff to get there because people spend their life trying to get there. If I'll do this, then I'll be happy. If I'll do this, then people will accept me. If I'll keep going and keep going, you'll never get there. I promise you. Never. Because God has not designed us that way. God has designed us to follow Him. And as we follow Him, and as we trust in Him and quit trying to do all this stuff, and as we rest in what He has done and what He is doing, then fulfillment comes into our life. Joy comes into our life. That's the joy of the Christian life. And that's why I am convinced you walk in churches and you see sad people. And I'm spitting. You see all these long, sad faces. Who wants that kind of Christianity? Is that why we're not witnessing the people? Because we are miserable ourselves. And we don't 
really believe that we've got anything to offer those cruds out in the world except for you go to heaven. You know, but they're going to think, well, what about in the meantime? I'm not planning on dying in the meantime. I've got 60, 70 years to go. What about these 60 or 70 years on this life on this earth? I want to be fulfilled now, not just then. Well, I'm telling you, the gospel of grace says you can be fulfilled today. You can be fulfilled today if you will lay it down, if you will stop trying to do what you've been doing, if you will stop trying to please God, if you will stop trying to do all these things, in a minute, and even stop trying to stop sinning. Now, <clears throat> there's a lot of terms uh, that old guys used, old guys back in. This was a big message back in the 1800s and early 1900s. I've been discovering uh, these guys were really preaching this message. I mean, famous Christians that we hear about, like Andrew Murray, people like this, they all use different terms. Some of them use this, what they call the surrendered life. That's a term that they use, like you surrender. You surrender everything, and you say something like this to Jesus, anything you want, I will do. And that's a great message. Then some others call it the deeper life, and that sort of got perverted in our day, the deeper life club. But the deeper life was this, was going deeper with Jesus, letting Jesus have more control. But this guy, Hudson Taylor, came up with this word called the exchange life. And I think that's a good one, because, but that's not a term in the Bible. It's Galatians 2.20. It's no longer I, but Christ. That's the exchange life. But Jesus used the word abundant life. That's the biblical, best biblical word there is. Jesus, Jesus said this. Wait a minute, Jesus. You said you came to give us life and life abundantly. Now, why, is, why are we miserable? If Jesus said that, why are we miserable? Why are we only happy when things are going well? Does that seem right to you? Why are we happy if you're in the ministry when your ministry is going well? Why are you blessed only then? Why? That can't be the gospel. The gospel's got to be stronger in our circumstances. The gospel's got to be stronger if this person accepts me or loves me or likes me. It's got to be stronger than that. So I declare to you the gospel that has been preached to the Christian is backwards. It's backwards. I believe if we can find this revelation of grace in our hearts, then everything in your life can change. And people can hate you and despise you, yet you can still have an abundant life. Again, it doesn't mean your circumstances are going to be any different. I'm not promising change in circumstances. But I am promising this because I believe I can promise it because Jesus promised it. Abundance inside you. Now that's what Jesus promised. Are you with me? Let's read that Galatians 5, verse 16 and 17 because somebody really brought up the good point that you said there's no conflict between our old nature and our new nature, yet there is a conflict, I feel. And that is a good, right response, but let's just read about the conflict because there is a war. There is a conflict within us, okay? I, but you see, it ain't our old and new nature, and we, this is important. Galatians 5, verse 16 and 17. Y'all with me? This is what Paul says. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not, everybody say shall not, fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's how you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's just walking after the Spirit, following the Spirit, letting the Spirit have control. Submission. Everybody say submission. Some of you don't like that word. <laughs> Nobody likes that word, if they want to be honest. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit. You got that? The flesh lusts against it. My flesh does not go along with the Spirit. It doesn't. I'm telling you. 
My flesh, I'm going to tell you, my flesh will never go along with the Spirit. Never. I am not here to train my flesh. But that's what we've been trying to do in the church. We've been trying to train you, keep your flesh under control. But this is what the Bible says. The flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against what? The flesh. See, there is a battle, but it's not my battle. And it's not your battle. It's the Spirit's battle. The Spirit is the one fighting the battle. It is not me. Well, I've got to, you know, grit my teeth and not sin. That's a lie. That's a lie from the devil. It won't work. You can grit your teeth for a while, and some people are better at gritting than others. But sooner or later, sooner or later, you're going to open your mouth one day, and the words that you shouldn't be saying is going to come out of your mouth. It's the Spirit that fights the flesh. It's the Spirit that opposes the flesh. It's not me. You see what I'm saying? And that's clearly the Bible right there. That is clearly. But that is not clearly what we've been taught. We've been taught, be disciplined, be this, be that, be this. And everything's going to work out. Well, I say, forget all that mess. Don't be disciplined. Just don't do it. But do one thing. Submit to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has this thing called self-control, which is a fruit that He produces in your life. It's not something you have to come up with. Hey, I'm sort of disciplined kind of guy in the natural. I like to go run. I'll get up and go run in the rain. You know, if I can't run outside in the rain, if it's too cold, I'll go to the gym and run on a treadmill. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people have a hard time doing stuff like that. Does that make me anything special? No. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about my spiritual life. Okay? Now, let's go back to Romans. Are y'all with me? Is this making any sense? Because it makes a lot of sense to me. I think, man, this is the best news I've ever had in my life. That's why they call it the gospel. Why didn't somebody tell me this way when I first got saved? That's what I was thinking. All right, now. Romans 7, let's read verse 20 through 23, okay? He said in verse 20 in Romans 7, Now if I do what I will not to do, okay? It is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. The principle of sin that's in my natural members. Okay, that's what he's talking about. I find then a law. There's a law. That's really important. That, is, that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. That's the Bible. There's evil present with every good, born-again, saved Christian in this room. 